Amen and amen. Why don't you take your seats and a big thanks to Heidi and Monet, to Grant and Leon for leading us in worship. And uh, before I move on to the message, just some announcements, which I'm, I'm going old school. Stephen and Parker will like this. I've actually got them on paper. So firstly, if you're our guest today, it's so good having people from all over join us and watch uh, these services with us. If you look on screen in the description, you'll find a little connect card, a link to a connect card that you can click on. It'll be great to hear from you. Let us know where you're from, who you are, especially if it's your first time or one of your first times with us. Um, also, if you are responding in any way today, please let us know. And if you have a prayer request or any other kind of request, click on that link. Very easy to fill out and that form will come through to us. So please click on the connect card. Secondly, we are going to have communion at the end of the service. So I'm just telling that in case you didn't get the announcements, please don't stress. Um, use whatever you can for bread. You don't have to have grape juice, even if you use water. We're not going to get legalistic about this, but please join us. You don't have to run off now. What you can do is just before communion, you can press pause if you need to get the elements ready, and then we can share communion together. And finally, we have a prayer meeting on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. We're going to be trying a Zoom prayer meeting, so come and join us for that. It's going to be fun. We will give you details if you don't know what Zoom is or how to access it. We'll give you information about that. All right, good. So here we go. Imagine knowing that you only have a certain number of days left on earth. I'm not talking about dying of some disease. You're healthy. You're fine. But let's say you know that you only have another 30 or 40 or 50 days left on earth. What would you do? I think we would all want to spend as much time as we can with those we love, those who are closest to us. And we'd want to be very intentional and very purposeful about how we spend that time. Isn't that so? So today we're starting a series, new series, called The Road to Pentecost. And we're going to be looking at Jesus' last 40 days on earth, from the time of his resurrection through to his ascension. Um, it's a title that Grant came up with as we were discussing it. And I'm quite excited about this series. It's not something that I can remember preaching on before or even hearing a, a series or that on before myself. Okay, so we've come out of Easter this last weekend. So we were on the road to Calvary to the resurrection of Jesus. Now we are on the road to Pentecost. Okay, and Jesus, although there's not a heck of a lot written in the scripture on this, this was an important time, okay, as we're about to see, and I'd like to show this to you. Now, we remember that Jesus on the cross cried out that Greek word, tetelestai, which means it is finished. We read this in John chapter 19, verse 30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So what was Jesus talking about? What was finished? Well, of course, the primary mission of the Father had been fulfilled, had been finished. So that was Jesus living the perfect life that we could never live, fulfilling the righteous requirements of the law, and then going to the cross in our place as he bore the penalty for our sin upon himself. So that work was finished. But that doesn't mean that Jesus had nothing more to do, okay? Because obviously on the third day, he had to be raised to life, vitally important, and then in those last 40 days, there were important things for Jesus to do and to say. And so that's what we're going to be looking at as Jesus prepared the way, so to speak, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and in the birth of the early church immediately after that. So we're going to be looking at this now. In Acts chapter 1 verse 3, we read this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Okay, so after Jesus was raised to love, the very first thing he needed to do was to prove that to his followers. He had to convince them that he actually was alive, that he really had 
risen from the grave. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at one of the accounts of the post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. Okay, why don't you turn with me so long to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to be reading the passage of Jesus appearing to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. All right. Um, just before this, Luke tells us about Peter visiting the tomb, also finding it empty. And now we're going to read this. And I believe this passage has a lot to speak to us by way of application with what we're facing right now. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the things that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. We're going to stop there for now and uh, just like to set some of the scene for this amazing passage. Verse 13 tells us that this account took place on the day of the resurrection. So this is probably sometime in the afternoon. We find these two um, disciples making their way from Jerusalem to the town of Emmaus. We know that one is named Cleopas. We don't know who the other one was. Some even speculate that it could have been his wife. We don't know. They were followers or disciples of Jesus, but obviously they aren't amongst the 11 apostles. All right. Now they're walking along. They're talking about, they're discussing what's happened, probably debating, trying to make sense of what's happened. And we read here of Jesus kind of quietly coming up behind them. Sense you get is Jesus listening in. Okay, and I just love this fact. Okay, they don't know who he is, they don't recognize him, but I love the way Jesus interacts with them. Okay, they kept from recognizing him, but look at how he interacts with them. Okay, firstly, he asked them what they're talking about, knowing full well that he's the one they're talking about. And I and I also quite smile at Cleopas's reply to give you an example of it to illustrate. 
Imagine going down to the shops in this past week, second week of lockdown. And while you're there standing in your social distancing queue, your line, someone comes up and says, what's going on? Why people got masks on and why are most of the shops closed? Don't understand. I mean, you'd look at them and say, are you serious? What hole have you crawled out of? Do you seriously not know a thing about the national lockdown? And that's almost the kind of answer that Kirpas gives him here. He says, are you, you know, are you for real? Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened over this weekend? It shows us, friends, how big a deal the crucifixion of Jesus was in the city of Jerusalem. They were talking about it. And of course, now they will say the empty tomb. All right. So Jesus asked them again, what things? I'll smile at this. Really quite funny because the things, of course, have to do with the very person who's asking the question. There are three big focal points in this passage that we're looking at. Okay. So firstly, we have this explanation now of Kirpas and the other to answer Jesus, to explain what's happened. Secondly, we have Jesus then re- responding to them, opening up the scriptures. And then thirdly, of course, we have Jesus going into what was probably a home with them. And then as he breaks the bread, they recognize him. All right. So let's begin with Kirpas' answer. How does he answer? Well, firstly, let's look at the mood of these two disciples. And don't forget what they knew. Okay. So they knew that the woman had visited the tomb that morning, early that morning, and found it empty. They knew that the woman had seen a vision of angels who told them that Jesus was alive. And they also knew that other disciples had visited the tomb and confirmed what the woman said. The tomb was empty. So do we find them buzzing? Are they excited and overjoyed, full of faith, saying, yes, Jesus has risen from the dead, as he said? No, friends, we find the exact opposite. Back when Jesus first asked them what they were discussing in verse 17, we read this. They stood still, their faces downcast. Their faces were downcast. They were sad. They were troubled. They were confused. They were bewildered by what was going on. They were probably quite disappointed. In fact, if you read the answer they give Jesus, it's clear that they expected more from Jesus, the Messiah. All right. The more that they spoke, and Cleopas, I think, was doing probably most of the talking, the more they spoke, the deeper the hole that they kind of dug for themselves. Okay. So what was wrong with the answer that they gave? So Warren Wesby explains it like this. He says, they did not believe all that the prophets had written about the Messiah. That was the problem with most of the Jews in that day. They saw Messiah as a conquering redeemer, but they did not see him as the suffering servants. They read the Old Testament. They saw the glory, but not the suffering. They saw the crown, but not the cross. All right. So to further illustrate, when Clebat first tells Jesus about himself, basically, in verse 19, he says this, he says he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Now, W.L. Liefeld writes this, he says the term prophet is then not so much an invalid as an incomplete characterization of Jesus. Calling Jesus a prophet wasn't wrong, it just wasn't enough, because Jesus was way more than that. So here's the picture I have. These two were journeying on a road to the town of Emmaus. They were on another road too. They were on the road of truth. They just hadn't traveled far enough down that road. They didn't have a complete, a full understanding, a big enough picture of who Jesus was and what his mission on earth had been. All right. On the right road, but not far enough. And any other big problem is that they didn't believe. They didn't believe. They didn't have faith. So they knew that the tomb had been found empty. But instead of this being a source of great joy and hope, and even fueling their faith, we find them sad, downcast, bewildered, confused. And so that's why as we move now into the second kind of phase, we look at Jesus' response. Jesus begins with quite a strong rebuke. Okay, And I like the way it's put in the message. Luke 24 verse 25 says, Then he said to them, 
so thick-headed, so slow-hearted. Why can't you simply believe all that the prophets say? All right, Jesus finds them slow to believe. So how does Jesus deal with this lack of faith? Verse 27 tells us, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus first opened their eyes, friends, to the Old Testament scriptures. He first showed them himself because here's the thing. The whole Bible speaks of Jesus. The whole Bible points to Jesus. Now, in saying that, let me make two Captain Obvious statements right up front. Captain Obvious statement number one. In saying that the whole Bible points to Jesus, we are not saying that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are less important than Jesus. Obviously not. We're also not saying that the whole Bible doesn't teach us and reveal to us God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But the fact is, because Jesus is the central figure in God's plan of redemption, it makes sense that every book of the Bible points to Jesus Christ. All right? And so Jesus, we read, begins with Moses. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. He probably began with Genesis 3 verse 15. Remember the first two chapters speak of God's perfect creation. Genesis 3 deals with the fall of mankind. And in verse 15, as God is cursing the serpent, he speaks of the offspring of the woman crushing his head. And that points to the very thing that Jesus has just accomplished through his death and his resurrection. That ultimate and complete defeat of Satan. All right. Now, let me ask you this, guys. Have you ever had to sit through a boring Bible study. You know, it was like, like one of those kind of just dead flat, okay? You can put your hands up because no one's going to see you. You're safe, all right? So here's the thing. This Bible study was anything but that. This is probably one of the most amazing, incredible, wonderful, choose your adjective, Bible studies of all time. I say one of because Jesus obviously opened up the scriptures on many occasions. But I think this must have been one of the most amazing ones. You had... The Word of God, Jesus Himself, opening up the Word of God with the Holy Spirit present to help these guys. I mean, they were just blown away. It's a little wonder as we read in verse 32. They say, Were not our hearts burning within us while He talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? I'm going to come back to this just a little later. And so were their hearts burning within them, seeing things in the Old Testament Scripture they'd never seen before. In the presence of this amazing man, who was just speaking life, it's little wonder they didn't want to let him carry on. When they reach Emmaus, they reach their spots, Jesus makes it, he's going to continue. But they, they urge him, they almost sense, they almost like forcefully keep him and say, stay with us for the night. So Jesus goes in and obviously at the table, takes the bread as he gives thanks and breaks and passes it to them. Suddenly their eyes are opened and they recognize him and then he's removed from their view. Can you imagine just what a jaw dropping Stopping moment this must have been. Eh? Just as well, they hadn't started eating it. Otherwise, there might have been a little old-fashioned, what's it, uh, Old Testament Heimlich maneuver going on there, okay? It was incredible, friends. And this is the picture I get, is that on the road to Emmaus, they saw him with their physical eyes, but their spiritual eyes had been closed. In that moment, their spiritual eyes opened, and suddenly Jesus disappears from their view. Just such an incredible, incredible, amazing picture. Notice how their mood changes after this. They didn't say, well, that was pretty cool. Wow, man, let's, let's eat our supper, have an early night, and then tomorrow early in the morning we'll head back to Jerusalem and tell the other disciples, no. At once, we read, they get up at once, they leave their meal, and they head straight back to Jerusalem. Now, you must know that they would have been traveling in the dark, most probably. And uh, in those times, it was considered dangerous to travel at night. 
probably one of the reasons why they're also urging Jesus to stay because it made sense not to carry on traveling at night. But they don't care. They have got to get back to Jerusalem because they have met, they have seen Jesus with their own eyes. Now let's have a look at something else that happens. Quite amazing. So remember they go back and as we read, the disciples have just been talking, the apostles now have just been talking about Simon Peter seeing Jesus. These two come in with their story. While they're talking about this, we read this in the next verse, Luke 24, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. I mean, this is incredible. Clear that's in this other disciple. I probably just finished speaking. They're talking about this excitedly. And then Jesus appears, standing amongst them. He speaks peace over them. And then in verse 45, we read that Jesus opened their minds, this group, his apostles, that they could understand the scriptures. Wow, wow, and wow. I mean, this is all now happening on the same day of his resurrection. This is now in the evening. Okay? It's truly amazing, friends. And I think as we look now at application, this passage has a lot to say to us, especially in this time that we're going through right now in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, a lot to say for us. So let's begin with this. Firstly, Jesus rebuked the two disciples for being foolish and for being slow to believe what the prophets had said. Okay. I want to speak to us today about being careful of these things. So we're going to speak of three types of news. We're going to speak of fake news, bad news, and we're going to look at good news. Okay. Let's begin with fake news. There's a whole bunch of fake news that's been doing the rounds over this time, especially around COVID-19 and other related matters. Okay. Now, the thing is, is I'm personally happy that governments and authorities have taken a much stronger line and are dealing quite firmly with this fake news that's been doing the rounds. But I read something too about the dangers of fake news. I read a report from last year, 2019 report, that, that showed the, the problems of fake news and said this. It doesn't only make people believe false things, but a study showed that it also makes them less likely to consume or accept information. In other words, friends, yes, the problem, okay? Fake news makes it harder for people to see the truth. And say it to you again, fake news makes it harder for people to see the truth. So just like Jesus said to those two disciples, don't be foolish, okay? Let's be careful that we're not foolish. We must be careful what we're opening ourselves up to. Don't swallow and digest fake news. It can make it harder for you to see the truth. And let's, for heaven's sake, not be spreading fake news and make it harder for others to see the truth as well. Then we have bad news. What I have to tell you right now, you go and read the news. There's a lot of bad news out there, okay? And I'm not saying to you today that we should bury our heads in the sand and pretend that there's nothing happening out there. Okay, there is a place for being informed. Among other things, it can help us when it comes to prayer. But this is the thing I find is that if I go and spend a lot of time reading news reports, I can come away with my heart feeling quite heavy and troubled. And it's easy to start worrying and asking all kinds of questions and having concerns about what the future can hold. I'm sure that you've probably experienced that too if you've spent some time in the news. Friends, we need the good news that causes our hearts to burn. And you're not going to find that news on the news sites of the world. Okay, now there is, there are lovely stories, heartwarming stories of people doing good deeds and helping one another and breakthroughs. And so there is some good news out there. But the only news that sets your heart ablaze will be found in this one place. It'll be found in the Word of God. As we read God's Word, His good news, with the help of the Holy Spirit, there's an opportunity for our hearts to burn within us. Now, the thing is this, if we're only reading these news reports and not the good news itself, it can leave our hearts feeling heavy, troubled, burdened, afraid, okay? 
And this is a time where we really need to be diving into the Word of God. You might remember Russell leading us in prayer around this last week. We really need to be getting into the Word of God. There are promises here, friends, that we can be standing on in the time that we're going through. We have to get into God's Word. I want to say today that the best thing for your heart is the Word of God. And so I'd put it to you like this. It's fine to be informed, informed by what's going on out there. But the news that we need to take to our hearts is the good news. It's God's Word. This the Word of God, friends, needs to rule and to govern our hearts. It needs to be stored up in our hearts. And we need to live from our hearts based on the Word of God. I hope that makes sense to you today. All right. Now, our next application point builds on from there. Let me intro it like this. Imagine that you are Jesus on that road to Emmaus with these two disciples. Okay. They finished their sob story kind of explanation about what happened in Jerusalem. How would you, as Jesus now, how would you have revealed yourself to them? If it was me, I'd have said, wake up you chops, it's me, Jesus. I'm alive, here I am. I'm risen from the grave. Why so slow to believe? Come on, what's wrong with you? Okay. Then if you would have done the same thing, Jesus certainly didn't. Okay. He did something very different. Before he opened their eyes to see him, to recognize him, he took them into the scriptures and he opened their hearts to find him there. They first saw Jesus on the pages of the Old Testament with the help of the Holy Spirit before their eyes were opened to recognize him before them. Okay. Now, later on, we see Jesus doing something different. When he appears to the apostles with these two disciples now in the room with them, he first appears and in verse 45, then he opens their minds to understand the scriptures. All right. But I like this account of how he does it on the road to Emmaus because that's true of us friends we first find Jesus we first see Jesus get a picture of Jesus from the pages of scripture that's where we really get to picture and see him but one day on the great day of the Lord when Jesus returns then we will see him the resurrected king of kings lord of glory we will see him with our own eyes and uh, as he comes to take those fetch those who belong to him isn't that wonderful okay so in this time that we're in right now, let's speak about this too. We really, really need to be hearing from God. We need wisdom and direction. We need to hear from God what we need to be doing, whether it's in families, whether it comes to business, employment, whatever it is, we've got to be hearing from God. We want to hear the voice of God speaking over the situations we face in our lives. The thing is, this: what we often forget is that the number one primary way that God speaks to us is through His Word. Okay? So yes, we can all hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. We can have dreams and visions in the night. We can have people sending us prophetic words. There are a number of ways that God communicates with us. But the number one way, friends, the most important primary way that God speaks to us is the Holy Spirit speaking to us from the Word of God as we are reading it. All right. Jesus spoke to those disciples about himself first from the pages of Scripture. And the Holy Spirit then helped them to understand. Now, the resurrected King of Kings, Jesus Christ, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. But even now, as we read the Word of God, we hear Jesus speak to us from the page of Scripture. And when we read the Bible with the help of the Holy Spirit, He then helps us to understand. He gives us revelation and insights. We can hear God speak to us through His Word as we read it. And again, our hearts can be set ablaze as we read God's Word. So I suppose here's the problem I want to highlight for you. If you and I aren't regularly spending time in God's Word. We're cutting ourselves off from the number one primary way that God speaks to us. And that's a very dangerous thing, especially in 
the time that we now find ourselves living in. Okay. How do we then stand on God's promises? Romans chapter 10 verse 17 in the ESV says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing. And I think now that we have the Bible in print in so many different ways, faith comes from hearing and reading the word of God. Okay. But if we're only hearing and reading and watching all of the bad news out there and not getting into the word of God, my picture, it's like our faith bucket with holes being punched in. It feels like faith just starts to get drained and sucked out of it. Isn't that so? I need to get into the word of God because I spend time in God's word. It strengthens my faith. There are promises here, friends, that I can stand on that even though the storms may still be raging outside, there are promises of faith that I can stand on and anchor and build my faith on. Once again, I remind you, friends, that on the road to Emmaus, Jesus and the Holy Spirit used the scriptures to set ablaze the hearts of these two disciples. Two disciples who'd been slow to believe, who'd been struggling to believe. It was the scriptures taught by Jesus, stirred up by the Holy Spirit that set their hearts ablaze. Warren Wesby says this, he says, The more we receive the word of God, the more we will want to fellowship with the God of the word. Isn't that beautiful? And that's what we see happening in the story. We saw this. Jesus given one of the best Bible studies of all time, one of the best ever seen. And one of the fruits of this is they didn't want Jesus to leave. They didn't know that it was Jesus, but they didn't want Jesus to leave. And so friends, as we spend time in God's word, as we receive the word of God, we want to be with Jesus through the fellowship of his Holy Spirit. This is a fruit for us. It's a beautiful thing. So if there's only one thing that you remember today, just this one thing, let it be this. We cannot neglect God's word. We have to spend time in the word of God. Amen. All right. One more application point and then we're done. As I read this account, I get the sense that these two disciples on the road to Emmaus were quite isolated. They were feeling a little alone. Even though they had each other's company, as they walk this road in their confusion, their bewilderment, their doubt, their disappointment, I get the sense they felt a little isolated. And today as you're watching this, you might be isolated in the sense that you are the only human being in the room or, or your place where you live. Or perhaps even as a couple or even as a family watching this, you could still have a sense of isolation in this time that we're busy going through. Now let's go back to this passage. Remember that the two disciples first saw Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures and then their eyes were opened to see him and then, of course he disappeared. Here's my question. Where did Jesus go when he disappeared? Think about it. Jesus isn't omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He can be everywhere present at the same time. That's why you and I, everyone watching, every believer on the planet can have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. He can be everywhere at the same time. But Jesus, even in his resurrected body, can only be at one place at one time. Where did Jesus go? I can't prove this, but I believe, friends, when Jesus disappeared, he was still sitting in the room with them. I can't prove it to you. And um, we know Luke goes on to tell us, he doesn't describe it, but he just tells us that Jesus appeared to Simon Peter. That could have happened after this Emmaus encounter. But friends, this is what I believe, is that even as Jesus disappeared from the view, their view, he was still in the room there with them. And I like to think, even for part of that journey back to Jerusalem, Jesus was on the road with them. Now, there might be just one person who needs to hear this today. Just one, but hear this from me. Just because you can't see God, don't for a single second believe He's not there with you. He is. By the power of His Holy Spirit, He is with you right now. And even in the midst of the loneliness, the isolation, it might be driving you crazy. It might just feel like it's too much at times. I want you to know that the invisible God is very, very real and very near to you right now. And in fact, I want to pray around that and a few other things so 
Let's pray and then we're going to share communion afterwards. Let's pray together. Lord, this is such an incredible passage and there's just so much that comes alive to us and it speaks to us even in the time that we're going through right now. But I want to begin, Lord, by praying for those right now who are feeling incredibly alone, who are feeling the weight of this isolation. It's so easy, Lord, even if there aren't as many people around us as usual, to forget, Lord, that you are God with us. You are Emmanuel. Jesus, you're at the right end of the Father, but your Holy Spirit is always with us. And even now, Lord, I want to pray in every room, in every household, that there would be such a sense of your presence. We say, come Holy Spirit. Thank you for your fellowship. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for hope. Thank you for lifting heads today, Lord God. Even now we pray for such a sense of your presence with us. Thank you that you are God with us. Oh, we thank you for that today. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that Jesus took these two disciples into the Old Testament and helped them to see him there first before they saw him with their own eyes. And we know that's true of us, Lord. We first see you in the Bible. And then on that day, when you come to return for us, we're going to see you with our own eyes, face to face. We long for that day, Lord. But even now, we want to pray, Lord, open up your word to us. We ask for grace and help. We know we can be lazy. We know, Lord, it's so easy sometimes to push the Bible aside. But we want to pray today that you would stir our hearts, stir in us our hunger again for your word. And thank you that we don't, Lord, come to read just a, a book with information. We read it, Lord, together with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give us revelation. Give us understanding, stir us, speak to us, even as we read the pages of the Holy Bible. We pray for this today, Lord. Thank you for your word. I want to pray, Lord, that there be something in us today, every one of us that recognizes we need to be diving into your word. We need to be standing in faith on your word. We pray for this today in Jesus' name. And then I want to pray for you today. You might be watching and you feel like you're seeing Jesus like you've never seen him before. Like those disciples, their eyes were open to see him, but perhaps today you're truly seeing him for who he is. Not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a good man, but the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And today, if you're in the space of wanting to respond to Him, to call on Jesus Christ, who is our only hope of salvation, our only hope of eternity with God the Father, and of new life now, here on earth, I want to invite you to pray this prayer after me, and mean it with all of your heart. If you also today, you want to turn back to God, if you feel you've wandered away from Him, pray this prayer with me and say, Jesus Christ, I see you. And I pray right now that you would come and bring the forgiveness that only you can bring for my sins. Thank you that you died on that cross in my place. Thank you that you lived the perfect life I can never live. I call on your name, Jesus Christ, to save me. I confess that you're the Son of God Most High. I call on you now and I thank you that as you forgive me and take away all the guilt and shame for my sins, that I'm yours, that I belong to you. Would you open up? Your words, would you teach me like you taught those disciples? Would you teach me by the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you fill me now with your Holy Spirit? And would you give me grace every day to follow you all the way into the eternity where I'll be with you, God, my Father, forever. I thank you for this now, Lord. I give my life to you. I surrender to you today as my Savior and my Lord. I pray this now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we said, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer today, once again, let me remind you there's that little response card you can just click on the link please let us know and we'd love to hear from you if you prayed it and if there's any way that we can help you as well wonderful so we're going to turn now to share communion together and i'm going to pause because i'm going to fetch my elements i'd invite you to do the same and then we're going to break bread together amen all right let's break bread together now in the passage we looked at we saw that the disciples eyes were open as jesus broke the bread and gave it to them 
Now, many Bible scholars point to this, and I do believe they're quite right. We must be careful not to see this as Jesus celebrating communion with them. Okay? There was a practice where the, the host would usually take bread, break it as he gave thanks for the meal. There's also no mention of the cup. And remember, these disciples, these two, weren't at the Last Supper, so they wouldn't have recognized Jesus through this. So how did they recognize him? Well, we don't know. Some speculate that could have been as Jesus broke the bread and passed it to them. They could have seen the scars of his nail-pierced hands. We just don't know. Okay. So although this probably wasn't Jesus celebrating communion with these two, 2,000 years later, when we read this, when we read of Jesus breaking the bread, while we, we see it as communion, don't we? It reminds us of communion. When we come to communion, as we take the elements, we are remembering Jesus, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. We are seeing Jesus. And friends, that's what I'd like to invite us to do right now. My prayer is that as we are around the tables, even if you are, are sharing these elements today on your own, so to speak, there's no one else with you, um, whether you're a couple, whether you're a family as we come together, because we are together in breaking bread today, I pray that we would see Jesus. And I want to remind you what happened with these two disciples. On the road to Emmaus, we find two disciples who are confused. They are despairing. Their faith is low. But then the turnaround. On the way back to Jerusalem, there's a change. What happened? They saw their king, their resurrected king. And we find them going back full of hope, full of joy, and full of faith. And my friends, I want to say to you that as we walk this road, that the whole globe is walking right now in the face of this COVID-19 pandemic. We don't want to walk this road with despair, confusion, low on faith. Friends, today, even again, we need to fix our eyes on the King. Because when we see the King, then we can receive the peace of the King in our hearts. We can have our hearts full of the joy of our King. And we can also walk this road full of faith because we've seen the King who is with us. And our King Jesus is for us. Let's share communion together. And even as we do, as we take the bread, why don't you join me? Just why don't you bow your heads and just close your eyes and just say, Jesus, we come to your table today. We want to see you. We pray right now, Lord, that you would fill our gaze. Thank you, Lord, that we see the impact on the Easter disciples when they saw you. Everything changed. Lord, today we want to see you in the fullness of your glory. We want to see you before us. Lord, we thank you. That as we take this bread now and as we break this bread, we remember Jesus, your body that was broken for us. We remember, Lord, you taking upon yourself the fourth, the, the stain of the sin of all of the world. Lord, we can't even begin to imagine what that's like to have all of the sins, every sin ever committed, placed upon you, Lord. And to have to pay the penalty for such a weight of sin. Lord, we stand before you today humble. We stand in awe, Lord, of what you did for us, Jesus of Calvary. As we take this bread now, we remember, Lord, with hearts that will forever be grateful what you did for us. Thank you, Jesus. Let's eat the bread together. And as we take the cup, Lord, we remember your precious blood shed for us. Thank you, Lord, for your blood that washes away all of our sin, that clears the slate forever for us. Thank you, Lord, for the righteousness that is us because of you, Lord Jesus, because of your blood shed for us. Thank you, Lord, for the new covenant that is opened up because of your blood shed for us. Oh, Lord, we thank you today. As we take this cup, we remember you, Jesus. Let's take the cup together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, King Jesus. And so, Lord, 
even as now, as we are gathered at this table. Like those disciples, Lord, it says, you broke that bread, they recognized you. Right now, Lord, we recognize you, we see you. We declare that our hope is in you, Lord. We pray that your peace would guard our, our hearts and our minds in Jesus' name. We pray for your joy to fill our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that we would walk this road full of faith because we see you, Jesus. We see you before us. We know that you are with us. We know that you, King Jesus, are for us. Thank you for the glorious hope that we have, not only for eternity, but even for right now with what we face before us. We thank you, Lord. We see you, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We pray this now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all together said, Amen and Amen. Wonderful. So, before you run off again, um, lovely if you click that response card, if you'd let us know. It's been so good having you join us today. Um, please stay for some tea and coffee, especially on Facebook. It'll be great to get some comments going there, some feedback, some encouragement. So please do that. And uh, as always, at the end, we are leaving up details of our bank accounts and the QR code in case you would like to give. And again, I would love to just pray into that too, just before we end up all together. So can we do that right now? And just say again, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word that says you give us seed to sow and bread to eat. And so we thank you, Lord, that there's bread. There is more than enough for what we need, Lord. You are our faithful, good provider. We trust you, Father. And right now we want to pray, Lord, if there's any household where there's a lack right now, we thank you for your provision in Jesus' name. As only you can, we thank you that you provide, that you come through in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, this is a time to be generous towards you and towards others. And Lord, it takes great faith to be generous in a time like this. But thank you, Lord, as we step out in faith, we know that we can never, ever outgive you. And so today, Lord, as we give to you in faith and as we share with others, we have such confidence, Lord, that you are more than able to supply our every need in Jesus Christ. Thank you today. We pray your blessing, Lord, on these finances that are given, Lord, and upon their administration. We pray your blessing and we thank you for them in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, Amen and amen. Wonderful stuff. Thank you so much again for joining us. Stay for some tea and coffee. God bless you. Have an amazing week. And we'll see you on Tuesday nights on Zoom, 7 o'clock for our prayer meeting. Cool. God bless you. See you then.